Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's been a while, but hello Evertonians, and welcome to the first Toffeeware podcast of the summer. I think all three of us have been traveling at different times after we took a break following the conclusion of the most stressful of seasons, so this is the first time we've been able to get the band back together. We're hoping to have uh, Andy Howard back for his second appearance on the show, but he's been struck down with the dreaded Lurgy, but Paul Trail and Adam McCulloch are here with me, Lyndon Lloyd. How are we, fellas? Not bad, thanks. Not bad. How are you? All good? All good. All good here. Yep. Trying to get back into the swing of things of thinking about Everton. I've been trying not to for quite a while. <laughs> it's exhausting last year, wasn't it? I think we all needed to uh, soul search a little, find ourselves. But yeah, yeah. Looking looking forward to the new season. Yeah, it's coming up. It's coming up soon. It's mm. uh, less than a month, isn't it? So. Well, I mean, as ever, things have been happening at Everton, but um, at least to this point, I don't think there have been any substantive developments beyond the two I think we were all expecting. Richarlison, of course, is left in a deal that will hopefully reach £60 million. That's, that is, unless he's back at Goodison on loan, Stephen Pienaar style in a couple of years' time. Um, and uh, James Tarkovsky um, arrived from uh, Burnley on a free transfer. Uh, I suppose first off, Richarlison, uh, really sad to see him go, but um, I think it was a move, as I said, that we're, that's been coming ever since it became abundantly clear uh, that we weren't going to make uh, Europe, wasn't it? I think um, nearly all last season, really. I think particularly <laughs> second half of the season, we, we, we were kind of saying, oh, it's probably his last season, you know, regardless if, we, if we'd have stayed up or gone down, you know, we, we kind of figured that he was going. Um it's probably a good, from his point of view, probably a good time to move on. Really, I suppose he's been, he's he's, been, he's given given Everton some some brilliant service. Uh, what's he got? Twenty five. He, 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 he's earned the right for that opportunity to test himself. At, uh, you know, at a Champions League club. And that's what's yeah. tough to take, it isn't it? That like yeah, you know, doesn't feel that long ago at Tottenham and Everton were quite you know quite parallel early, and they're quite uh you know 
you know, competing in the same sort of areas, and you know, they've just gone completely different, <laughs> different directions, haven't they? Since uh, since the Moyes days, pretty much, right? Um, but it doesn't feel that long ago when Spurs were kind of our equals, and now they're obviously head and shoulders above us. So it's that hurts a little bit, I suppose. That not, I'm, 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 I'm glad he's still in the Premier League myself. I'm glad he's, um, I'm glad we still get to see him. I'm glad he can still um, antagonise other other opponents. Where will we be saying that when he? Bangs within the Gladys Street. I'm not too sure. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, when, when he's rolling the mind, be like, oh, boo. Yeah, and Tarkov, uh, then Tarkovsky nails him like, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. But like, no, he, he, he's been great for us, and uh, yeah, I think, um, and I'm just glad we will still be able to see him, and yeah, he can um, see see him. He can probably help Everton out a little bit in, in uh, taking on, you know. Playing against uh, obviously some of our rivals, etc. Wherever we are in the league, and yeah, I'm glad we'll still see him around. And uh, yeah, it's, it's obviously we all just say thank you, Richardson. He's been been absolutely fantastic for us, hasn't he? And uh, yeah, good luck. Uh, don't begrudge him the move. I think it's a good move for him. I think it, it's a pretty good fit, really. Um, I like. I'd, I'd love that front three. Kane and Son and uh, Richardson. It's <laughs> pretty pretty fair. Nice it, one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tasty. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, um, it's sad to see him go. Um, and there's just what we can do with the money. It's it, it's hard to tell, isn't it? I guess Everton, the, the FFP situation is is all of that. Literally, pretty much, you know, go, having to go on debt to solve that. Are we are we literally just at that case of scrambling around for free transfers and loans? Is that literally what we, all we can do? Can we be invest some of it? You'd like to think some of it at least we could be invest. I don't know. It's. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's starting to worry me a bit that seeing so many other teams, even like your Leeds United, your Nottingham Forests, West Ham, signing quite a lot of players, not spending quite big money on players, and Everton, it doesn't really feel like anything's getting done. It doesn't really feel like they're close to anything, does it? You know, like I'm hopeful mm-hmm. that one day I wake up and oh, we've signed this player, etc. But it does concern me a little bit that it, it, you know, there's so much, so much. Uh, so much white noise, so much going on in the background with sort of like uh, rumored takeovers and all sorts. And hopefully that isn't too much distraction. I hope Lampard's given the opportunity because, you know, we're off to the States next week. I presume we would have probably liked his players in before they take that trip. And as you said, Linda, it's well, less than a month now until the season starts. So we'd, uh, that's what you say, isn't it? You want your players in for the start of free season or at least a good chunk of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's starting to worry me now that we're getting you know closer and closer to the start. And, uh, just the one player in, so uh, yeah, let's see what we can do these next uh, next few weeks. That's worried me more listening to that. Yeah, I was, I was kind of worried <laughs> anyway, but yeah, it's. <laughs> I think I think that's a th- you're right, in, but we all saw it coming. I think yeah, no one no one begrudges him the move because you know um, his performances in the second half of the season, you know, were, were massive, and obviously his, his commitment the whole time he's been here. I think no one really would have been that surprised if he left last summer. I think. You know, one one of the few good things we did last summer, there weren't many, was, you know, we gave him that sort of, you know, extra time to go out to, um, uh, what was it, the Olympics and uh, the Copper America mm-hmm. as well. Because, yeah. um, you know, we, we know he loves playing for Brazil. We sort of grant him that wish and we, we got an extra year of him where I think he, he, he could easily have got a, a decent move last summer as well. Um, but I think I think that's the issue. That's That, that sort of area of concern is, we saw it coming. He changed agents in April. Um, he didn't kick up a fuss, which I think is another you know massive part of where that sort of goodwill is coming. You know, the fact he sort of went back to the training ground the other day, and you, know, you can see how well liked he is by not just the players but the staff as well. 
Um, but we knew he was leaving and you sort of look at the difference with, as you say, Paul Leeds, where they've also had, you know, big, big players go after a tough season, but they've, you know, they clearly had a bit of a sort of succession plan there with who they knew would, uh, you know, they they kind of had lined up to replace him. Even you know, sort of a Rafinha replacement today, kind of preempting that transfer. Whereas it has been very quiet, you know, the sort of you know, the kind of rumor mills a little bit dry. Which you know, given our past experience, it's probably best to kind of assess a little bit. But I'm I'm surprised, you know, that yeah, but maybe sort of one other move hasn't happened, or there's you know, maybe been a bit of kind of interest somewhere in a kind of not necessarily a like for like player as well, because he's he's such a unique player, isn't he, Richarlison? He's he's not necessarily an out and out winger, he's not an out and out forward, he's he's somebody who can kind of you know play across that front three. And it's what, why I think he's a really good signing for Spurs, because it's what they really needed, wasn't it? They need sort of support for Kane. Um and also somebody who can fill in there, and I, I, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see how good a player he is, won't we? Because you know, I, I know, you know, I certainly rate him. I think we all do, but um, a lot of players, um, a lot of fans, sorry, you know, of other sides, you know, a, a little bit dubious, I'd say, Richardson. Um, but I, I think you know, we'll we'll kind of see what he's made of. But um, yeah, I, I, it it does worry me that lack of sort of succession planning, and you know, we'll we'll, we'll see what Kevin Thelwell's got up his sleeve because. You know, I, I saw a really sort of powder puff piece in the Echo today about his kind of we're seeing his master plan come together, and I've I've not really seen <laughs> that yet. I've seen yeah. John Joe Kenny get offered a contract and turn it down, and a few youth players sign up for a couple more years. Um, and Tarkovsky, who I think you know we'll probably speak about uh, at some point, you know, I think's a, a good signing, but yeah, not 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 quite the strategy, you know. I'd kind of like seeing place when you're losing such a big player. Um, and that's without going into how and when Richarlison was sold, which I think is another big sticking point right at the end of a, an important financial month. And um, with Bill Kenwright still leading the negotiations as well, I think that's another <laughs> little you know point of interest. But um, yeah, hope, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll see some movement soon. I think, yeah, particularly, as you say, before, before the... Uh, pre-season tour to America it'd be great to have at least one other person in to kind of get that bond and you know hopefully you know give us that kind of shot of optimism we all we all need after last season yeah I think he's probably waiting for whatever strategy that he has in place to start you know start the dominoes falling mm. um I think obviously the the sale of Richarlison is going to help as you said I don't, we neither none of us know how much money there is going to to to, to spend um, maybe they're waiting for the Moyes Ken thing to get sorted out um, because that's obviously if we can get that sorted out, that's another injection, and that might actually then be able to be put towards this coming financial year as opposed to the last one and actually give us something of a kitty. You can kind of see from the the Emmanuel Dennis rumblings about that transfer is that we're trying to sort of you know pay as little upfront as possible to maximize our other our other business. Um, but yeah, and I, actually, I, I think as I said on the on the, the Blue Room podcast this week, he's the kind of player I, I'm not surprised that we're into uh, interested in because he's he's as you say, I don't think you can replace Richarlison like for like because he's such a he's such a, an enigma of a player. Um, I mean, so much of his um, his contribution to us wasn't really quantifiable. He didn't score that many goals and he didn't have that many assists, but he was just a, a vital player in the team because he just made things happen. Um, you know, how many goals did we score from situations where he was fouled? 
um, or situations where he's, you know, bullied a defender into, into conceding either a free kick or a throw in or a corner. Um, so yeah, he's going to be difficult to replace in that sense, but I think he's the kind of player that we need to be looking at, um, as well as some kind of direct support for, um, for Dominic Calvert-Lewin because Lord knows Salomon Rondon is not, is not that kind of player. But if, if you're looking at someone like um, Brogia from um, Chelsea, he's surely going to want to play in, in the Calvert-Lewin role. Um, I mean, it'd be nice to put them both up there together, but I, I, it doesn't really seem to fit the way that, um, that Lampard wants to play. Uh, but from a purely, um, from a purely business point of, of view, um, you know, the Richarlison sale is exactly where that Everton should be operating, you know, realizing a, a profit of about £10 million on a player who I think we actually probably overpaid for in the first instance. I think, you know, given his record at Watford, I mean, we paid a phenomenal amount of money um, for a player who didn't really have much of, uh, of a record in the Premier League, but it was one of those situations where you're, you know, you're, you're paying for, for, um, for the future, for you're paying for... Um, you know, for promise. Um, and I think, you know, a year ago when we had the likes of Real Madrid and Paris Saint-Germain in the mix, we were looking at 70, 80 million pounds and, and not really, um, that wasn't really unrealistic. But now, given the situation that we're in, um, you know, those two players, those two teams, sorry, out of the out of the equation, how many clubs can afford a Richarlison at that kind of sky-high valuation? Um, if you remember when we were in for Wilfred Zaha, Palace was sticking out for enormous amount of money because that's how much he was he was um that's how much he was worth to them and they could do it but we I don't think you know we're in that situation given the, you know as you were saying Paul the, the end of the financial year we we clearly the timing of it was was a clear signal that we needed to sell a big player before the end of the financial year um and I think at the end of the day if we get if we end up getting 60 million for him I don't think we can complain it's, it's a it's a decent amount of money um, but you know, I'm, I'm really sad to see him go because he was in many ways, all we really had in terms of a hero and a talisman. Um, I think we hope that, you know, Anthony Gordon will be able to fill some of that, um, as kind of our avatar on the pitch for the, you know, for the fans, the, the local boy living out his dream. Um, but in the absence of any kind of tangible success, it's players like Richarlison that all we've really got to hold on to. And that's kind of the sad thing is, you know what? Who's going to be the, the the next character that really kind of stands up and you know carries flares around the pitch? And, yeah, yeah. You know, creating these iconic images and stuff. But uh, yeah, I know I wish him well. Um, I'm not sure he'll be starting every game for Spurs, but I'm sure he'll get to play in the Champions League. And um, I mean, Spurs look like they mean business this season, so it's a good move for him in that respect. And uh, good luck to him. He's not starting the first game, is he? I thought he suspended for that oh, one. Oh yeah, that's the, true. Yeah. <laughs> for the interested player, yeah, player throwing. But uh, yeah, it felt a bit like sort of like deadline day when we sold our tetra to me during the first year. It was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, you, you knew, you, you knew we were like, it was, it was, we knew that was happening. We knew it was like, okay, it's going to have to be done by this date. We all knew that, otherwise we're in some serious trouble. Um, yeah, and, and just like when we sold our tetra and. Yeah, we got a few low knees in that day, didn't we? And Sammy got like the free transfer of Tarkovsky the other way. But um, yeah, you, you touched on um, sort of valuation of player, and it's just a bit of a bugbear of mine is sort of like um, how clubs can sort of kind of dictate based on your own financial situation or their strong financial situation the value of players. 
So, for example, like um, Liverpool's is a good example. Like, they seem to get like a lot of money, like an awful lot of money for their like uh, you know young players, players who aren't playing an awful lot. They've you know they, they've done very well over the years to doing that. Hats off them. Is that because they're in a very very strong financial situation where they can actually say like, well, if you're not going to pay that, then forget it. Whereas Everton, I mean, there's this sort of financial situation of like. Well, we're going to have to accept this because we have no other choice. You know what I mean? That's something. Um, I always like the MLS, sort of like a MLS market value system and like the, the the league dictates the value of the player based on mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, obviously their, their, their performance, their injury record, um, marketability, uh, you know, uh, area of potential, i.e. age, etc. And that's, there just doesn't seem to be any will to sort of make it a fairer level playing, as far as I can tell, um, particularly in the Premier League. And just uh, just feels it's just on this continual path of the better teams just getting better and better and better, and the the, the, the the rest of them just getting nowhere near as good because they just can't bridge that gap. And that's one of the reasons I find, which is really, really frustrating. It just is, it, you'd think to try and keep it a more attractive, more competitive league, it's just going to be one that, you know, you, you try and do something something about that. Now, I'm not really complaining about FFP in terms of Everton because Everton are blowing it themselves. That's the, that, that's down to Everton's terrible, you know, t- terrible efforts and you know, terrible recruitments, etc. No complaints yeah. there. But I think um, if it was governed a better way, valuation of players, that would be one step which could certainly help everybody a little bit more. And the, the way it is now, if like speaking to a mate just the other night, he was saying like it used to be a case when, you know, if we're going back to the like, 90s, early 2000s, teams would often lose like, you know, win the league, but lose five, six games, something like that. Like, and now if like Liverpool or Man City lose one game or draw mm-hmm. with, with West Ham or something like that, it's like, oh my God. <laughs> it's, just, it's, such a, <laughs> it's such a gap between, uh, between the, 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 those at the top and everyone else now. It just, I just, it just feels so uncompetitive, you know what I mean? So um, I'd like to think they would look at other ways to sort of help that. But just, yeah, that's just something I really felt I need to get off my chest was just this uh, frustration I have with sort of valuations and... Um, I wouldn't the, hold your the, breath, the unfortunately. <laughs> no, I've been holding my breath for too long. <laughs> I think of it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, I yeah. think the only way that it shakes out is you get, a, you know, the more teams in the mix like Tottenham, you know, they certainly have the potential now to join that group and maybe that, that top group gradually expands. Um, and then hopefully we're the team that ultimately joins that. But, uh, yeah, no, you're right. It's... it's uh, yeah, and with players like Haaland coming in for City, I mean, he could potentially just destroy the league. I mean, you, yeah. you know, you look at they they didn't need him, but now when you add him in, um, you know, he could be phenomenal if he stays fit. Yeah, him and Phillips, pretty good signings, aren't they? And yeah, yeah and, and yeah. offset that as well. Of like, you know, you've got ninety million quid or so for Jesus and. Uh, and Sterling or something like that, you know. So like they've just yeah, they, and and they, they, they've managed to sort of recoup the money just like that. You know, what I mean, you can just dictate the value as much as much as they want to. You know, what I mean, it's just uh, yeah, I just find it a little bit. I don't know. It's like I'm not complaining so much about FFP because I haven't I haven't have known the rules for a long time and just been terrible at it. You know, you can't really complain there. Just uh, it just frustrates me. I suppose maybe it's a bit of envious that we can't compete financially at all in that in that capacity. Um, but yeah, just the, just the valuation of players at the moment. I just I just wish it was governed a better way than than teams just dictating it and being able to take advantage of teams which haven't got that. Far. And this works all the way up up and down the league as up and down the leagues as well, you know. So it's a, I wish it was a better way of governing it. And yeah, I've always quite liked that MLS market value system. But uh, yeah, um, let's let yeah, I guess we'll have to see where see where we are and 
once we got a few signings, I, I, I thought like it, it felt to me like Harry Winks was a done deal. Like when we when we had we had all this talk about like um, uh, with Charleston go, and you felt there'd be some player thrown in the other way somehow. Whether I don't know whether that just didn't work or they didn't want him or, or what, I'm not too sure. But that would seem like seem like would have been an okay signing in the in the midfield there, because that's obviously an area I feel we need a bit need to strengthen as well. Like another like defensive midfielder, I think is something we really 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 need to to focus on as well. Don't think we could pay for him, to be honest. I mean, if Spurs were yeah. asking for twenty million, I mean that's a phenomenal chunk of our uh, of our transfer budget, even if it's some of it's up front. Um, you know, for a player who, yeah, I think he would definitely improve the team, but he's not exactly what we're looking for. Um, yeah. If he comes in on loan, I mean, I, I think he'd be an excellent signing actually on loan because he can certainly, you know, knows what to do with the ball. He's not that physical, but you know, he knows how to move the ball forward, and he's you know, he's got plenty of experience at the top level. But I just, I think it probably just boiled down to the fact that if you want us to pay anything for him in terms of a transfer fee, we just can't do it because we really have to maximize, you know, every single piece of transfer business has to be absolutely maximized to the nth degree. Mm. Which might not be the worst thing for us going forward because, yeah, to, you know, go back to it, you know, that's, that's why we're in the position we're in. You know, we, you know, we bought players over the odds you know like, like like you said earlier Lyndon, you know Richardson's one of our much better signings but we still overpaid for him um the likes of Pickford we probably overpaid for um and you know a lot how many times were we kind of going in for players when no one else was interested which to be honest was one of the things that was kind of mentioned with the the Winks thing that you know we'd sort of pay 20 million pounds someone who no one else kind of really wanted and who's clearly kind of surplus to requirements at, at Spurs. Um, well, there's loads, right, isn't that, there? David, yeah. David Klassen, Michael Keane. I mean, all of these players, they were, none of them really seemed to have any yeah. major suitors at the time. It was just Jason, us. And we were just, okay, yeah. we'll just pay you whatever. <laughs> Walcott, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, Lassie. Lassie, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, look at the amount of players. You know, if you're talking about City selling someone who's, you know, good but not a starter for fifty million. You know, we've you know let a fifty million pound player go for free this summer. You know, so that's it. it just shows you how badly yeah. we've kind of done it. So you know, s- someone like Winks, who yeah could be a good signing, but maybe isn't sort of guaranteed to kind of you know possibly a bit of a sort of square peg for a round hole. Someone who can yeah would improve us, but maybe not in the way that Lampard or you know the sort of rest of the coaching staff kind of sort of really identify with. To, to spend a third of the money that you've got in from Richarlison with no guarantee that, you know, because I, I think a lot of fans are probably doing that in red, aren't we? Well, we've got £60 million. Pounds. That's what we've got to spend. Oh, we've saved all these money on, you know, all these wages, you know, from, you know, the likes of Delph as well and Tosin. Um, obviously, you know, all sad to see El Ghazi go as well. Um, <laughs> I, I know you're absolutely gutted. Uh, <laughs> ready-made Richardson replace, you know, pr- promote from within. Uh, Adam, Adam, how are you going to carry on getting El Ghazi into this podcast every week moving forward? It's, well, it's going to be an interesting challenge. challenge now, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll try. I, maybe I'll have a sort of regular segment where I kind of, you know, follow, follow, where, follow where he is next, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, if if I think it was probably the same with um, Stephen uh, Berwan as well from Spurs, where another player who sort of potentially got linked with coming the other way, but again, mm-hmm. who isn't that similar to Richarlison. So it, it was kind of two players mentioned who weren't kind of exactly what we needed. Um, I mean, there's also the question as well of w- w- whether anything kind of happened with the uh, Deli Ali transfer, which is still a weird kind of structured deal. Whether you know we still. Owe oh, twenty million when he pays plays twenty games is that right? 
something uh, like that. We may never know now. Funny. Yeah, but, but that one, you know, that might have been kind of which makes Richardson feel up better if that's in any way kind of been reduced. But uh, yeah. But yeah, I think I think with Winks, yeah, would w- would have been interesting. Um, I say interesting. I, I think okay was probably the word. Really, it was sort of it, it wasn't really one to kind of set the pulses racing. Um, but then again, how many times have we bought players who set the pulses racing who no, then right. spectacularly failed to deliver? So you know, exactly. maybe maybe taking this little bit of time and sort of weighing it up and you know working out exactly what we need. And I think. That's another thing as well. We don't know exactly how we're going to be set up next season. You know, Lampard played a certain way uh, mm-hmm. for the last few games and, you know, kind of chopped and changed early on and then sort of found a way of getting us over the line just about. Um, but what system we line up with um, will probably dictate how important. I, th- I think some sort of forward player to replace Richarlison, who, yeah, I think Dennis fits the bill in terms of being able to play through the middle and also out wide. But where those other positions are might sort of depend a little bit on uh yeah what what formation we're going for and also if any other players leave you know the likes of you know Mina we've spoken about before could potentially leave um any of the other sort of higher Gomez, Gomez <laughs> we should, yeah I think I think we're kind of willing yeah. that a little bit aren't we sadly we, I think we are <laughs> yeah um yeah maybe you know there was talk with Ben Fika with him wasn't there because obviously they've got flush with cash as the a bit flush, yeah. transfer merry-go-round uh, works its magic but yeah so far that's not materialised I think yeah he, he would obviously be kind of one of the first names you'd expect to because he, he, he's just nowhere near the first team is he really and it's it's a shame how it's panned out for him but um, well, yeah, he's, he's too close to the first team for me and, and yet not good enough you know yeah, for the first exactly. team on it very clearly but I mean there's there's if if the scouting network is there, which I think we all have doubts about because we don't actually have a head of recruitment still, um, I mean, there's plenty of ways you can do this very smartly um, in the way that, you know, I mean, Watford picked up Dennis for 3 million quid. You know, I mean, there's, there's, there's ways of going about it, um, having kind of a hard-nosed approach to it where ignoring what the reaction might be from supporters, you know, in terms of the kinds of targets that we're going for, these lesser-known people, um, you know, and I think there's a, there's a fair amount of um, pessimism going into the season, I think, based on last season. Um, but, you know, you've got the precedent of what I'm not saying we're going to do anything like that. But what Leicester did was, you know, they all, almost went down the next season, won the league because of their recruitment. They had you know, Jamie Vardy and Kante and, and Mares, um all picked up for next to nothing. So if the recruitment is there, you can get the right kinds of players for the right fees these kind of under the radar types i mean you have to be very creative about it and you have to have a deep a deep scouting network again do we have that and that's that's really that i suppose the um the biggest concern is you know is that depth of uh depth of scouting there but it's you know it's possible and i think if you if you look at the way that we played um under lampard at home in particular sure you're not going to have that home atmosphere every week um, but you know our record under Lampard from from the time that he came in was actually fairly good. I think it was you know top half form. Um, so there's no reason why if you get the right pieces in place and get the right organisation, if he has the summer to impress his, his methods on the team, that we can't actually you know do quite well next season. I'm not saying we're going to get into Europe or anything, but yeah. But I mean, if we end up finishing top half, um, you know, pushing ninth eighth, I think that would represent a very good season. 
but um yeah currently as the squad currently is it's it's going that's going to be incredibly difficult yeah we desperately need some additions um like I say in attacking areas I've, I've had a lot of sort of look through the sort of the whole squad and made a few notes and stuff and yeah you're right gomez gabamon uh one we used to be got to get got to move on somehow um he's got to move on himself somehow if he's gonna you know have, have a career he probably won't but, be driving really because uh i think he's still banned <laughs> yeah you know, more, more points than games uh, so true that. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah me you know obviously um it's yeah it's just it's, it's just easier said than done isn't it moving these players i mean how can how can we ask someone to take on Mina or Gomez when they've barely played? You know what I mean? Or when they're, when they're just barely available um, any of the time or in Gomez's case, when he, when he is available, not performing well, you know what I mean? And injury concerns, that sort of stuff. Big wages, you know what I mean? Probably for Gomez, certainly for Mina. Gabamon too, I suppose. You know what I mean? It's a, um, how can, they all how have can to we... be prepared to drop those wages. I mean, that's really, if they want to move, then they have to be prepared to take a pay cut to, in order to move because it's just the reality of leaving England. You know, it's just the way it is. If they want yeah. to move is the thing, isn't it? If yeah, they I want mean, to I... move, exactly. Yeah, exactly. There's so many players we bought recently, who, you know, the suitors aren't there and also sometimes the desire isn't there because, you know, the likes of Tosin and, and, and Balassi certainly were on sort of contracts that no one could get anywhere near. Mm. And, you know, you know, Ashley Williams as well, you know, players like that who sort of yeah. thought, well, you know, I'd, I'd have to drop down division and earn less money. So I'll just kind of, you know, kick, kick my shoes and, and, and wait for my contract to expire. And, you know, and, and when we have kind of got rid of players, it's been, yeah, we've probably been, you know, how much of, you know, and Bamin's wages were, uh, was it Spartak he was at? You know, how, how much were they realistically paying, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's very tricky. And yeah, so someone like Gomez, you know, he's, he's He's probably on, you know, six figures a week. It's 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 a hell of a lot of money. Mina, I think, is more likely to have interest just because, you know, as you say, Gomez hasn't really performed when he's had a chance. Mina's been great when he has played, but even so, huge wages. I think, you know, it's 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 a sort of, you know, you, you're kind of hoping either a side sort of, you know, comes in some money, like we said with Benfica, or. Or it's maybe a sort of bigger side who think, oh, well, you know, he's, you know, kind of not going to start every game, but, um, you know, he, he, he's someone sort of good to have in and around the squad. But, yeah. But when I'm not... you can get him for, when you can sort of, when you can get him for three and 12 months, then why would you, you know well, what I mean? Exactly. You just think, well, let's see if we can get, let's see if we can get himself on the fit, on, on the pitch, let's see if we can get fit, tap him up, keep him, and keep him interested. And, you know, and then, then you've got a free transfer and then, you know, if he's, yeah, you, you might as well, you might as well, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be crazy to go in and sign him from the outside looking in, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, like, and, that, and I suppose it'd probably be with Everton's a sell and cut price just to get him off the off the wage bill. What would cut price represent? I mean, how much did we pay for him? About 20 million, 30 million? Yeah. But again, that 27, market. I think, 27. Yeah. yeah. And, so, it, and, you know, and you look at the likes of Schneidlin, who we sort of did that with, where, yeah, sold him for like a minimal fee to Nice. But again, you know, it's, it, it, it's you know it's still just a huge waste of money but yeah I, I guess it, it does sort of free up more possibilities it might give us a bit of that but I guess the, the difference we've got now compared to sort of other scenes is you know I know certainly I've been like kind of looking at this summer as sort of one where it was going to be like oh well a lot of that kind of dead weight we had hanging around sort of you know you, you get rid of but now you as well you look at the squad and it's it's a it's a much smaller squad but there's still players to move on you've then got to bring others in to sort of, you know, it's, as you say, Lynn, I, I think that's where you are kind of hoping 
there's a real sort of recruitment plan in place. But yeah, you know, our head of scouting is now, funnily enough, I think at Spurs. So, um, you <laughs> <Nice>. know, <laughs> Steinson. So I think, you know, yeah. there's there's no real, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not confident at this point that, you know, apparently, you know, the likes of Patterson, uh, we supposedly paid massively over the odds for. I know we've not really seen enough of him yet to sort of see that, but, you know, I noticed... Uh, you know, uh, the dark side bought uh, that Calvin Ramsey from Aberdeen for a, a kind of fraction for of less. Money. Yeah, and you know, I, I know Patterson's kind of played at international level, so is you know coming from a bigger club as well. There's always kind of these facts and like you know, you say Paul, it's you know, it's the way transfer fees are. It does seem to just be you know, kind of a bit uh, slapdash at times. But I think know, it was one of those instances where we paid what we paid to get him. You know, yeah, exactly to exactly. make sure that we got him. Yeah, yeah, which which we've done a lot, and you know it's not always worked. But I think this summer, I think that's you know maybe that is why things are taking a little bit longer because we're we're really having to consider kind of each little step because you know if we yeah. if, if we'd have say spent twenty million on Harry Winks and then suddenly you know you can't bring in a forward player or a new centre back if someone like you know gets injured or you want to play three at the back and you you panic because you've loaned Branthwaite out already you know it, it, there's there's so many moving parts I think we've got to you know really really kind of be careful with what we do um, but. I'm not as positive anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah. I, I think I think we have to discount Branthwaite from the conversation because I mean, yeah. there it pretty much underscored last season how raw he actually is. Um, you know, he can be f- phenomenal on his day, but he's obviously prone to mistakes, and he's he's really really young. He, he, but he mm-hmm. you know he needs to go out on loan and, and play another full season at you know at a championship level or whatever to to really hone hone his. Um, his skills and further his development. Um, I think with um, Tarkovsky, who I think is actually a really good signing, um, I think it's going to make a, a really big difference to the team. Um, you know, reading uh, El Breckland's piece, you know, on 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 the website um, with his interview with um, Robbie Simpson, that was um, really encouraging. And there was also an interview with um, that Matt Jones did for the Blue Room with a um, with a Burnley fan. Um, he's you know he sounds a lot he sounds a lot better player than you would think. You know, being that kind of mainstay, mainstay of a you know a Sean Dyche <laughs> yard dog Burnley team, um, it seems like hopefully if we can be playing the right way, that we might actually be giving him a platform to really show what he can do. Um, and so I think that if there's anything in this in this um, speculation around Rodrigo Becao at um, Udinese, that if he comes in and we don't get rid of Mina, then you'd at least have your Mina replacement in Tarkovsky. Um, and so it's not the end of the world if we don't get rid of Mina. Because I mean, yeah. if we could get rid of him for ten over ten, I think his wages equates to roughly ten and a half million per season. If you can recoup that, you know, make sure that you know you get that in a transfer fee and not have to pay him that um, over the next year, then I think you're we'd be in a really good situation. But like you, like you've said, it's going to be really hard to shift him. Definitely. Um, I'm. I'm- Let's discount me, you know, let's assume we can, he does move on. I'm quite comfortable with them four, myself, Tarkovsky, Keane, Holgate, Godfrey. Um, I, I, I can understand why people wouldn't be. I know there's people there's, people have concerns about Keane and Holgate and Godfrey, yeah, actually, for that matter. So, like, I guess, like, um, well, you know, there are question marks on a lot of them, but I think they all stepped up pretty well, very well, actually, to be fair, last season. Maybe Godfrey not so much because he um, he, he missed the they missed the final stretch with injury. Had a pretty poor season, Godfrey. Um, 
my point I'm trying to make is I don't think that's our biggest problem. Yeah, you know I mean, if, if we haven't got much money to spend and we've really got slim pickings of what we can choose from, them four will do me for this season. I think we can do a lot worse, put it that way. I think that, you know, it's it's not as much of a problem as other areas of the pitch. Um, fullback, right back, it could be a big problem. Coleman's got mm-hmm. to do another year. We yeah. don't know about Patterson. He's just mentioned him. He's, he's too unknown. We don't really have any cover for um, Mikalenko unless on Cuckoo. Is uh is trusted to get more games, or are we just going to be back to that sort of situation of um, Ben Godfrey will sort it at left back? We've got we've got no Delph as even any sort of you know other cover there, so that's uh, left back could be a bit of a problem. Um, attacking areas are certainly we need we need more from um, the sort of outside positions. Um, we're going to be asking you mentioned can Gordon be that hero? Asking an awful lot again from a very young player. Mm-hmm. We asked probably too much from last season as it was. We asking a lot of Gray. Townsend's unavailable for a long period of time. Is he, is he the answer anyway? Um, we kind of try and probably try and get get rid of Rondon and get someone else in. That, like I said, that lad from Chelsea would be good, but he probably wants to come and play games. You know what I mean? And you know, can we mm-hmm. can we guarantee it? You know what I mean? It's a it's a lot to do, and like I say, in a, in a worryingly short space of time now for me. And again, I think we still need another defensive midfield as well. Can the youth players step up? Can can we see more from Dobbin? Can we? Uh, what was Isaac Price? Was Isaac Price got on at uh, the Emirates? Did you did you did you have a look at him yes. at all? And, and what, what, uh, yeah, and, he looks um he's he looks he's tall. Yeah, he's rangy. Um, I, I like the fact that he popped up in the box with that you know that almost that acrobatic effort that he that that he tried. Um, it, it was a difficult game to really assess anyone because we were just we were overrun. <laughs> I mean, it was it really was um. It was kind of embarrassing, to be honest. <laughs> you know, we, we, had, we had an odd, a bit of a flurry at the end of the, the first half when uh, Van der Beek got the goal. But uh, yeah, it, it was uh, Arsenal were, were a level above. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's players like him on Yango. Uh, can, can they make the step up? I think uh, I think the, the general sense is that it's a little bit too soon for Lewis Warrington, but he looks a player. Yeah, um, just mm-hmm. from what we've seen. Um, obviously, you've got that that whole you know, doubt about can a player make the step up from the under 23s um, to the first team. And that's the, obviously a, a situation with every player coming through, but yeah, it's, uh, it's worryingly thin in, in many areas, like you say, Paul. Um, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> only when you really look at the whole squad and just have it down in front of you, you really start to say, Oh, blimey. We need a lot of, you know, a, a lot of therapy, a lot of, uh, Need to remedy this a lot. There's a lot of work that need that is required to um to fix this. And then we got obviously we still got Deli Ali, and it still doesn't feel like there's a plan for Deli Ali and what is uh mm. what his role is going to be. I think Awobi's done a pretty good job of nailing that. If there's if, if there is anyone in any sort of like attack advanced midfield, somewhat number ten role, if that sort of role still exists, you feel Awobi would be the man rather than Ali. I guess Awobi might end up being covered at right back. Which kind of, it kind of sort of like says a lot about the problems we've got, you know. So um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a it's a model, it really is. And uh, um, you know, I'm, I don't think I don't think for a second, uh, Kevin Thurwell and you know, and whatever team is there, I'm sure they're working very very hard. They must be, you know. What I mean, to to, to get bringing what they can, but it's um, if you've got nothing to spend, and uh, you know, if you're competing against other teams, who nearly everybody in the league, I imagine, can. Throw more money at players, can offer more weight, better wages to players than we can. You know what I mean? Even like teams which maybe wouldn't have done previously, like Newcastle, West Ham, now able to do more, even Brighton perhaps. You know what I mean? So it's uh, yeah, it's it's, it's, uh, it's very very tough to compete at the moment. Um, and so they're going to have to be 
very, very shrewd and very, very good. And you're right, Lyndon, and what you say of uh, like that Dennis at Watford, you know, picking um, picking them up on the they did picking them up on the cheap, like Leicester did that time when they won the league. They were going to have to be mm-hmm. do what Moyes used to do, really. I think that's what we're going to. I mean, I guess if you're going to look for like sort of. Uh, and be, be, be ultra positive, I guess, the last time we sort of, I feel like we're in this sort of position when we sort of, you know, finished 17th or 16th or whatever. And we, uh, the next season, we sold, we sold Looney and then we end up finishing fourth. You know what I mean? So, um, you yeah, know, we signed uh, some lad from Millwall and Marcus Bent. You know what I mean? So it's, uh, I think that's sort of shrewdness. Well, that whole market has changed so much. That's the problem. Is that you've got, say, you know, yeah. um, you know, Brennan uh, Johnson at uh, at Forest was being touted for twenty million, whereas you know, back in Moyes' time, you could pick him up for just a few million. And that's the problem is that <laughs> that whole market is elevated to such a degree that it's it's really hard to find bargains in the lower leagues or, or in the championship. Um, yeah. You know, and that, I think that's why if we can't do it that way, then we have to focus on versatility, which is why someone like um, Zinchenko would be such a great signing is because he could cover so many different positions. You know, he could be the left back cover or left wing back cover, um, but also that link man in midfield because he looks, you know, he's he's looked excellent playing that, in that role for Ukraine. Um, he would be expensive, um, but I think if we could get someone, if, if he's our biggest signing of the summer, I don't think that would be a bad thing if there's obviously enough budget to fill in the rest of some of those holes at the same time. He's, he's been the name that I've seen us link with that's got me excited. Cause yeah, I think, I think exactly for that reason, because yeah, he can cover more than uh, one position, but really well in both. Um, he's obviously got a, a good relationship with Mikolenko as well. Who, you know, I think, you know, we can all safely say really made that position his own. Uh, it, it is his alone pretty much now, but um, I think, um I think I think he'd be a wonderful signing, but yeah, again, it it, it comes down to money because yeah, as you say, you know, like players from a championship, you know, like Sakin Lewis Potter from uh, Hull, you know, fifteen twenty million pounds. Um, you know, we've been linked with Morgan Gibbs White recently, who obviously isn't a championship player, but kind of you know performed there last season, and again, mm-hmm. you know, twenty five million pounds for a player who, you know, is still a bit of an unknown quantity. It's not. It's not like it's a paying, lot of money. It's a phenomenal it's, amount of money. It's not paying one and a half million for Kale, is it? Or you know, getting less, no. got in five or Jaggy L. You know, it's it's a totally different um, landscape that we're in. So I think, yeah, players who can cover more than one position, like Dennis, like Zinchenko, um, would, would would be massive. And then obviously any other kind of freeze we can pick up. But even with that, you know, Lingard, who we've been linked with, I mean, the the, the wages for a player. Uh, like that, who's who's got interest in him? Um, you know, it, it, are you really kind of saving any money by kind of getting someone in on a free, but then presumably giving him a big, big old signing on fee, um, and then you know, over probably north of a hundred hundred thousand a week, um, and and also I'd say he's he's another one of those where he's not necessarily I think what we need um, in, mm-hmm. in, in in a few ways, but yeah, it's it's. It's it's a tough one. Uh, it's a tough one to work out. And again, yeah, it, it goes back to how we're going to play because what you know, bringing in sort of uh, Broer from Chelsea uh, would be great. But as you say, if he's an out and out striker and we've already got one of those, that's probably not what we need. Um, it, we've we've got to be really, really considerate and you know, not not do what we've done in previous seasons. Essentially, you know. You know, by three number tens, for example, you know we we can't, <laughs> yeah, we cannot afford yeah. to make those kind of mistakes. We've got to kind of get it right, which 
you know, no, no transfers guaranteed. You know, we, we can look at other sides as well, can't we? I, I've said Leeds so far seem to have had a good summer, but, you know, you know, they might have bought, you know, a couple of duds and who, you know, don't know the Premier League and it, you know, all kind of capitulates, which, you know, one can only hope uh, from our point It happens of every summer. It's a one team. You look at their recruitment and go, oh, they're going to be brilliant next season and it all falls <laughs> apart. Um, I'm hoping that's the case for Tottenham. I don't think so. They've made some really good signings. Mm. Um, but yeah, they could be that, you know, that, that Leeds have, are not replacing Rafinha or Phillips with anyone near the same, you know, mm. quality and they could struggle. But uh, it's a, uh, batting, yeah, it's a batting game period as well. Yeah, I mean, it's like mm-hmm. team like Leeds are. Yeah, I mean, like obviously they haven't got a lot of quality. Let's be fair, outside of the players they've just kind of sold. Really, you know, they've got some good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bamford, Bamford, he's been injured. They haven't got loads of quality, so they really have to hope that them players that will come in really hit the ground running because uh, and players don't tend to do that. Let's be fair, so yeah, the, the top top players do, but like most, let's be fair, most players need a bit of time. You know, once, once they arrive at a club, so uh, yeah, so. Um, it wouldn't necessarily just be the leads have gone and spent all that money quickly. Necessarily means that they're gonna oh look at them they're gonna they're gonna be great they could be they could be in for a bumpy ride. Let's hope so. We might be looking for <laughs> for the worst teams for the Daniels again. So uh, yeah, a lot of work to be done. Yeah, I suppose the other maiden story of the summer has been the um, the takeover or lack thereof, um, and I think it's been it's been covered. You know, by plenty of people saying that it's not that even if it happens, it's not going to change our financial situation in terms of what happens on the pitch because we're still hidebound by the same, uh, you know, profit and loss, um, profit sustainability restrictions, unless of course any new owner comes in with a, a slew of new commercial deals that are you know ready to hit the ground running straight away. Um, <laughs> I don't. We don't know much about this. You know this this Kaminsky, Kaminsky group. It doesn't seem as though this one's going to get over the line. Um, just sort of reading the tea leaves, it, it seems as though uh, Mashiri has more or less uh, closed the door on it. And uh, if he is to go with them, I think he wants um, investment for the stadium out of them more than a than an outright takeover. But uh, uh, I don't think it's the the end of the story in terms of the takeover. Certainly for the for the for the rest of the year, let's put it that way. It's just so messy, isn't it? It's just um, you say don't wash your dirty linen in public. It's just basically everything's just so public at everything at the moment. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just public, it's but just... not as well. Not a direct. It's a, it's you know it's it's Jim White saying something, or it's you know these kind of. It's, but yeah, it's it's not the way to conduct a takeover, is it? Um, not that I've, I've done one, but you know, it's, <laughs> it's 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 all it's all a bit sloppy, and and also you, you don't really, you know, solve a wider point, I guess, but you don't really want to sort of, you know, Google Steve Bannon Everton and get any kind of a result, do you? Um, so <laughs> I no. think you know it, it, it might not be the kind of worst, you know, bullet to dodge, but yeah, I, I do think that there's. There's, there's definitely still kind of something potentially on the horizon. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of us would probably just like a kind of, you know, quiet summer in that regards. Or, or just something clean, you know, something yeah. clean that gets the job done. Because I think um, from uh, from a serious point of view, if the situation with uh, with with his ties with Usmanov is that, um, you know, that urgent, then he may just want to cut and run, you know. Mm. Um, and if you can't find the right uh, the right buyers, then then you know he, he something could happen fairly quickly. But 
Sorry, you're going to yeah. say, Paul? Um, nothing really. Just, it, it's just all, all these statements from like Kenyon and just all these little sort of back and forth. Just all seems a bit sort of weird. You know what I mean? It just, um, I, I, I just, like you say, you, 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 you just long for like a normal summer to Everton, don't you? Just an easy sort of like, oh, we sign a couple of players and away we go. And it's just like, I guess we, we were dreaming if it was ever going to be like that this summer. I guess we, we probably knew we were in for a bit of a bumpy ride in terms of what we could spend. But it just feels like it's one thing after another. Did I read the other day that they might be um, having to make some some staff redundant at Finch Farm as well or, or something like that? You know what I mean? It's even, Something even to do with like... the kitchens or the chefs or new, mm. some new, I don't know. Uh, it's just, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, it like it's one thing after another. And it's never good news. And I don't know how many more sort of like little sound bites they can do on the official website of like, oh, Dominic's reborn and yeah, I mean, oh, oh look, they've built on, you know, they've put more sand in the, in, in, <laughs> in, in, in Bramley Moor and whatever else. And what's next? Tom Davis is back. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're running out of sort of like good news, aren't they? I mean, they haven't really had any, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's depressing, isn't it? It's just, um, yeah. I just don't know what, if, if, any, if somebody comes in, surely Everton is still bound by the same financial restrictions anyway, I would have thought. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that, that's the thing with yeah. sort of like, uh, you know, it's, in the shorter term, it doesn't matter. In the shorter term, surely Mashiri's got to realise if if he wants this investment back, if this is going to give it longer, he needs Everton to be in the Premier League. We need to find a way to get these players in. Yeah, I mean that's got to be the priority. And I, I, mean, I just don't know what's going on there. It's um, yeah, it's a bit frightening, really. Um, I wasn't I, believe it or not, I wasn't feeling this sort of doom and gloom before the call, but <laughs> <laughs> just like, I don't know. It just, uh, as, as I've chatted about it more and more, it just feels um. Yeah, in quite a mess at the moment, and just uh, yeah, there might be like uh, a Tony Hibbert consortium at some point. You know, like, that's what usually happens, isn't there? Like an ex-player comes in, consortium of White Knight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, what on on is speaking seriously about Mashiri. I mean, a Mashiri who still has money to invest, and a Mashiri that has learned his lessons is not the worst person in the world to still own the club but that is the key the key question is does he still have money to put into the club um and has he learned the lessons uh, that i think were clearly spelled out in uh, marcel brand's comments back in, in in the netherlands is that there was clearly what we all knew was happening was it was just far too much interference um far too much you know football manager being played by you know the the owner trying to influence his train set um, but but as I say, if if Mashiri is is prepared to take his hands off the wheel, um, I don't even really need um, this 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 communication that that people are are begging to hear from the top. I mean, I don't need to hear. I need to see action. You know, they always you know actions speak louder than words. I just need to see um, a club that's moving forward um, in the right direction, signing the right kind of players, um, and getting the right kind of commercial deals in. And if Mashiri can can still do that and is prepared to, you know, let Thelwell just get on with it, just step out of the way completely, um, you know, f- finish the job that was started when he when he stopped communicating with Jim White, you know, and just uh, as I say, focus on running the club like a football club, um, and not as I say a, a billionaire's plaything. Um, in that respect, if he can do that, then then Mashiri sticking around is not the worst thing in the world for me. But I I get the sense that he does need to to sell either a large portion or all of the club um, in order to, you know, to re- just to recover some of the, some of the money that he's put in. 
You'd like to think he's he's learned his lessons, wouldn't you? Um, I think one thing that I'd like to think it would be um, a wake up call for him is like despite like Rafa Benitez uh, being in charge of Everton, and obviously he got a big you know a lot of the stick from the supporters when things were going so badly, but. Mashiri and Kai, I think that it's the most pressure they've been under. Uh, Mashiri and Kai, like from a certainly Mashiri mm-hmm. at least from like from from a supporter point of view. Up until now, it's always kind of felt like uh, when they have sack when they have sack managers, the, most supporters have kind of been quite behind it. I dare say, like from, certainly Kuman was uh, Martin as they were, you know, fans were keen to see the back of Kuman and say Silva as well. Obviously Allardyce, you know, what I mean, I think it was. Um, but all them times, I think people, you know, continue to sort of get behind Mashiri, but more so than the um, than the manager and the and Vans or whatnot. But I think this is the real time where everyone's like really sort of had enough and patience tested with um, with with Mashiri and his meddling. And like you're saying, now Marcel's come out and said said them things, which sound quite fair, don't they? I think what what, what Marcel's yeah. saying, I think he spoke mm-hmm. quite openly. I think didn't sound like didn't sound too bitchy or didn't sound too sour grapes like, did it? You know, so I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, if you, he, got, he got very well compensated to not really get too involved. So, yeah, <laughs> well, probably, this probably is part true. of his kind of, you know, uh, his kind of modus operandi there. But, I, yeah, I, th- I think we all knew that, didn't we? You know, you, you have to look at the sort of sorts of players we brought in and the kind of, you know, yeah, like you say, all those managerial appointments, you know, they all came with, you know, different ideas and different types of players. And, you know, that's why we've, you know, our squad is muddled and, you know, even even now as it kind of gradually sort of evaporates away, you're still left with some, you know, weird weird kind of, you know, players there where you think, Oh yeah, that was a that was a silver signing or, you know, it's it's just it's 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 where we're at. Um I think yeah, if if you know, we we, we don't really know a lot about kind of Kevin Thelwell from our point of view in terms of, you know, how involved he's been. I mean supposedly he's he's kind of followed Tarkovsky for years, but then Tarkovsky was seemingly a bit of a kind of no-brainer signing, you know, you know, mm-hmm. guy who we all know is available on a free in a position we needed uh, needed to fill. Who's good in the air, you know, and kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Really, um, don't really need to be a director of football to work that one out. But I think, you know, if if he is allowed to kind of you know come up with a strategy and follow it through, and that's why he's been put in that position, great. But you know, if we're suddenly buying some kind of you know a name for the sake of it um then yeah you'll you'll start to sort of worry again but... then we'll know yeah then we'll yeah. know yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah all right well we'll see we'll see what happens uh one other thing of course that's happened this summer is uh duncan ferguson leaving you think it was the right time for him to leave I, I do because I, th- I think you know similar similar to unsworth he's you know he's he's kind of He's done as much as he can at this club without taking the top job. I think you know he's he's someone who, if if he went into a, a, a job with a championship club who's got that same kind of, you know, a, a similar kind of passionate fan base, he could really make himself a bit of a kind of you know cult hero somewhere else. You know, not not to the same extent, obviously, but I think he 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 would really do a good job. I think at a sort of a big a big championship side. I, I saw Huddersfield's manager went to, but I think they've promoted from within. But a side like that, if if they're looking for someone in the next few months, maybe the timing of it, maybe that's that's a kind of strange thing, I guess. Right at the start of pre-season, mm-hmm. I thought maybe maybe the end of the season would have made more sense. But perhaps that shows how much of a kind of wrench it's been for him. You know, he's probably you know been turning it over a bit. But um, 
yeah, I, I, I can I can see him getting a job in the championship, and I, I think he'll I think he'll do well. But I think if it's a, if it's asking if it's a good time for him to leave, if he if that's if he's leaving, if, if he really just wants managerial aspirations, yeah, I think it, now I've thought about it a bit more. I think he's probably yeah he's probably had that taste of it, hasn't he? He's probably mm. maybe a little bit hurt that he was overlooked, I suppose, for Frank Lampard. Uh, he, like, he maybe might say it like, well. He hasn't achieved a lot by, you know, he's, he, you know, as a manager, if it was like, if it was like a, a big name coming in, you know, he probably maybe would have understood more, but he, he maybe in his head, he's, you know, I don't know, I, I can do, I can do what Frank's do and I can do, you know, I, I could have had that opportunity. Maybe that's what he's thinking. I always mm-hmm. thought, he'd, I just thought he'd probably stay around a while. I know he, um, and he was like declared bankrupt like a few years ago, I recall, quite fairly, fairly publicly. And it's for, he's obviously got to earn an income. And it's for like, he always wants to be at Everton. He's just such an Evertonian. I thought he just, uh, he'd be probably just quite happy being a coach. I mean, that's one thing. I mean, it just uh, if, if somebody doesn't want to go and progress to be a manager, all of a sudden it's kind of feels like, oh, he's got no ambition. But what, what if you just want to be a coach? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, like oh, people say, oh, why is John Ebrell there doing that? I was like, well, what if he just wants to be a coach? It doesn't mean he's not ambitious. It doesn't mean maybe he's just good at what he does. And, yeah, I mean, it's the, yeah, I, just, I, I never got understood. It always seems to be a thing of like, oh, why isn't he wanting to do it? Why isn't he wanting to be a manager? Why is he just hanging around? But I thought Duncan would just be, you know, as long as he's at Everton, just that <clears throat> I never thought he'd want to be at another club. Um, I can like tell a story about Duncan Ferguson. Actually, I remember like uh, back in two thousand and four, I was uh, backpacking around uh, around Europe, and I think it was in sort of uh, Bulgaria. And I, I checked, I was in like an internet cafe, and uh, so I went to playing friendly in like Austria. And I had one of them interrail passes. You see, so like, oh, okay, make way to Austria. Some <laughs> ridiculous journey all the way through Romania, and long, long journey all the way to uh, a place called Koaflak, just near Graz. Um, it was one of them sort of little, you know, more used to take him to Austria for these little sort of pre-season training camps and uh, mm-hmm. before he took him off to the States or whatnot. And uh, so it was one of them games, I, got, met, I met a few lads who'd come over for the game. I didn't know them, just like uh, met them at the train station, you know, going over to the uh, match, end up staying with them and all that. And um, <laughs> it was really good fun. Um, tiny little ground, like a little sort of training ground almost like. And um uh, you could speak to a few of the players. So David Moyes came out and speaks to everybody. Tony Hibbert, a few others, and then Doctor Ferguson. So he wasn't playing. I think he was nursing a little injury, but like uh, unsurprisingly, but he um, came down and there was all, all sorts. This is the season when, yeah, alluded to before Rooney, Rooney left. There was all sorts of like uh, you know um, struggles in the boardroom. I forget the name of the guy who was in charge for Trevor Birch. Was it? Was in charge came, for like very, went, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The troubleshooter just saw saw, saw too much trouble and left. <laughs> trouble and shit. <laughs> <laughs> too much trouble for my, <laughs> my like it. So it was all sorts. It was like a real turmoil that summer, and um, the Dinsky had left, and it was all like, "Oh, what's going on here?" And um, someone said, and there was all sorts of talk of Duncan Ferguson having to leave. He's on too much money. They were trying mm. to just get him out of his contract. And someone said, I remember somebody said to him like. Uh, where are we going to be in next season, Dunk? He said, oh, we'll be in the Premier League, hopefully. He's like, no, no way. You're going to be in next season? He's like, don't know, but I'm not, I'm not playing for another club. Um, you know, And then um, someone said, are you getting the round then, Dunk? And he's just going, yeah, here's 100 euros. Get everyone a drink. <laughs> he just got there. Literally brought everyone there a pint. It was uh, 
brilliant. <laughs> so it was really, uh, really good. So uh, the point I'm trying to make is like, he's, even back then, you could see the love he had and has for Everton. So even though I, I thought he'd just, he'd, he'd still be there. I thought he'd be, you know, accept, okay, I'm a coach at Everton, but I'm, a, I'm still at Everton. I thought I'm, so I'm, I'm surprised. I'm not saying it was, the, it was the wrong idea to move, but I'm surprised that he moved. I thought he just didn't want to be anywhere else but Everton. So I think it's sad that he's gone. Um, who knows? Maybe he'll be back. But yeah, as you say, Adam, wish, uh, wish him well. And uh, yeah, it'd be great. Wouldn't it be great to see him just charging on the touchline somewhere and just, uh, you know, just um, celebrating like a wild man, you know, and just, uh, yeah, and, and doing well. So uh, yeah, good luck to Duncan. Hope it, hope it all works out for him. Yeah, I wasn't terribly surprised uh, just because I'm, I'm not sure how how Lampard approached it, him coming in with his team. And he, and he brought in quite quite a big team. Um, you know, with the, the addition of Ashley Cole, just added one more. Obviously, Leighton Baines moves on to onto a different role, um, which is good. I so I was always wondered whether Duncan was just one coach too many. Um, I also think I mean because he's been around there for so long, um, maybe the, there was a feeling that you know that he should go and, and try something else. I'm like you; I always thought that he would just did all he ever wanted to be was a coach at Everton and that was enough for him. But as you said, maybe just getting that taste of having managed at the top level, you know, even if it was for, what was it? Five games total, I think it was, um, you know, maybe that's, that's kind of um, ignited something in him. I mean, now that he's, you know, he's, he's, he's over 50. Now's the time to do it, to go and see if he can, uh, if he, if he can, you know, cut his teeth somewhere and, and be a success. Um, I doubt few things might ever compare to that Chelsea game, you know, that just that moment. Um, but yeah, I think as, as we've said, he's, and as, as he said, he's, he's played, he's managed, sorry, he's coached under so many different managers that he's got an enormous amount of experience and, and, and sort of, you can see what to do and definitely what not to do, <laughs> you know, and, um, in terms of recruitment, in terms of playing, in terms of, uh, you know, how to, uh, to manage certain games. So it's, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he does, certainly. And that will uh, lead us nicely into this week's question, uh, which is, courtesy of Paul, what's your favorite big dunk moment? Well, I guess this is my question. Um, mine would be, uh, I think it was 90, 97, 98, probably. Yeah, 97, 98 season, I think, under Howard Candles, is, is third spell. And the, uh, Scored a brilliant goal at Anfield, and it's a real shame that I think Mikel Madar missed an open goal not too long after, and then we mm. gave away a really, really soft goal not too long after that, I and mean, we should have won the game. Uh, ended up drawing, so it wasn't what. Which did we stay up on goal difference that year? So I guess it was as good, was as important a point as any. Um, it was a beautiful goal by Duncan Ferguson, really like arrow from you know, arrow to finish from the edge of the box, but it was just a celebration. He just stormed off like right to the other end of the pitch and. Like the term and just stood there, arms raised, like uh, you know, just like it's just so defining because we had a very, very, very poor squad then in Liverpool. We obviously mm-hmm. were, were pretty good, and uh, just that defiance, just that it just signified Duncan right there, what he meant to everybody right then at that time, and how he carried the fights to to opposition. Then we we had so little else to sort of uh, cling to on the pitch back then, and. Um, <laughs> He was unavailable an awful lot <laughs> back then due to suspensions more so than anything else, really. But we didn't have much else in terms of people who would stand up and fight, I don't think. And uh, Duncan was one of them. And that was probably the uh, the, 
the final moment for me for Duncan. It's just a shame that didn't end up being a being a winner. But um, yeah, it's the one that sticks in my mind the most. I think. Yeah, I think when you when you sort of describe him like that, I think it's it's probably why we are going to pine for Richarlison a bit because yeah, it's that same sort <laughs> of relationship with the fans, but also those kind of those images that are really kind of imprinted on your brain. I think like you know, Dunk was great for that. Like you know. You know, the, the, you know, squaring up to people, you know, this, you know, the, I mean, even, you know, the grandpa, the time you're like, fucking, he's got sent off again. But, you know, but obviously, you know, you, you look back on it and it's, it's just like, it, it, it gives you something to hold on to. But as you say, a quality player and obviously, you know, could finish as well. I, I was, I was probably going to move away from the uh, sort of playing side. I, I think the, uh, the interim game, uh, uh, where he sort of took charge against Chelsea at Goodison back in uh, 2019. I think, that, obviously, it, it's one of the more recent ones, but it, it just really stands out for me just because um, I was thinking about it, obviously, if, you know, the second time he, around he did it, um, you know, post-Rafa, post pre-Frank, pre, pre uh, Frank, you know, didn't, didn't work out. But obviously, if that had been the same way around and a manager, the likes of sort of Carlo, Ancelotti wasn't available... I think you know he he would have got the job. He would have got the top job, and you know just just for that game alone, boy, did he deserve it. You know, but you know he mm-hmm. he lived, breathed, kicked, felt every single moment, and um, and obviously yeah, the the image with the uh, ball boy on that third guard, it's just you know it's it's beautiful, and I think that's what will you know we'll we'll really miss um, with him. I think is is that just um, undeniable connection with the fan base, just someone who really got the club um gave so much back and um yeah so, so someone who I, I grew up just idolizing even even when at times you know he, he would do your head in he was he was he was someone you know to really kind of you know pin your hopes on and you know put a poster up on your wall so I, I'm, I'm glad he got you know that moment um you know as a sort of more you know mature as, as a coach who's who's been through, as he said in his exit interview, every kind of coaching stage at the club. And um, I, mm-hmm. I really hope wherever he ends up next, it's 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 a good job because I, I think he, he has got a lot of potential as a coach. And I think, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, wish him really well. But yeah, but that moment stands out for me. I think my favourite moment, I mean, the, the, the one, the first one that came to mind was yours, Adam, the, the one when he was the, his first game as a coach, that, that game against Chelsea. I mean, that was just a an iconic you know Everton moment uh that would that again will be hard to top I mean as a player obviously it's hard to to top his his debut goal against um Liverpool in the derby in 94 but I think the one the other one that came to mind was the one against Manchester United in 2005 that you know pretty much booked our our spot in the Champions League um it's a shame that you know he, he again was involved in the the contentious moment that saw us kicked out, you know, thanks Pierluigi. Um, but yeah, I think that, that would be it for me was, uh, you know, just one of those I- I- iconic headed goals of his, um, you know, a vital goal, scorer of vital goals, but again, a bit like Richarlison, it's, it's those kinds of players yeah. um, who, you know, just pr- provide moments that, that are there when you need them. Um, I, as a player, I mean, he frustrated the hell out of me, which is why when it comes to is Duncan Ferguson a legend, that that conversation, I, I, I can't get myself that far. I think someone on, on the other podcast used the word icon. I think that's he's definitely an icon. Whether he's a legend, I don't think he rises to that just because 
um, whether it was because of his back problem, you know, that that sort of weird undiagnosed injury that he had for quite a, quite a few years, whether that was the issue. Um, there were just too many games where the sort of the lower profile games where he just didn't seem to be able to get himself up for it. Um, oh, of course, there was the, too for it. <laughs> well, I was, yeah. was going to say the disciplinary issue was obviously yeah. the other part of it. As you said, oh God, he's got sent off again. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of when you look at his, his career as a whole and, and what he means to to Everton, I mean, he is uh, he's unquestionably an icon, and it's going to be strange that he's not, you know, part of the setup uh, going forward. Yeah, that um, that Man United game, he was unplayable that night. He was mm. absolutely incredible. That was a, a heck of a performance, and he'd have been about thirty-five by then, I think, Duncan as well. Certainly towards the end of his Everton career. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> And yeah, he really rolled back the years. That like that was probably one of his best performances for Everton, which, which says a lot because he had a lot of very good ones when he was a when he was a, a young man. Um, yeah, I remember how Kendall said uh, he, he, he was very good friends of Duncan. I think when he was a uh, you know when he was a bit older, I think, and uh, mm-hmm. he was saying he called around for like a you know a cup of tea and a slice of cake and, and all that to, to, to Howard's house and. Uh, he said, um, "You make a brilliant manager." I wouldn't say no to him, <laughs> which is uh, which is pretty fair. So uh, let's hope Howard. Yeah. Uh, let's hope let's hope Howard is right and uh, that he that he goes on to have a good managerial career. So, yeah, oh, he had the him. also had the uh, also had the Ancelotti uh, seal of approval. It seems, yeah, you know, when he yeah, was put true. forward for the Everton job. Which uh, had it been now, if we're going into a new season, I think there's a, a bigger chance of of him getting the job. Um, on a kind of let's see how it goes footing, but the situation that we found ourselves in when Benitez went, I just think Mashiri wasn't prepared to take the risk on a fairly you know unknown quantity. Yeah, that, you uh, Ferguson was. If that sorry, so if that Aston Villa game would have gone maybe better, who knows, right? Yeah. Like uh, yeah, yeah, if you lost one nil, slightly lucky goal. We missed a lot of opportunities in the second half. Yeah, I mean, another day we could have won the game or at least not lost it, you know. So, um, but yeah, that's the way it went. You, who knows? Had that game gone well, then he might even have got the job. It just, it's, yeah, it's fine margin sometimes, isn't it? It's funny how things like that can just dictate <laughs> an awful lot, really. But uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's probably good. If, he's, if he wants to, to be a manager, then yeah, he's got to move on. It's, it's quite as simple as that, really. And uh, yeah, we'll see. So there's a great, yeah. piece, there's a really old piece on the Toffee Web somewhere, which I remember reading years ago. I forget who wrote it. Maybe yourself, I don't know. But like, um, back back when he was sort of back in the day when he was uh, when he was like there was that question because he was always injured or suspended or whatnot. But still, you know, there's some people are really ah oh, Duncan. He's a bit frustrating. Where they start that hardcore supporter base as well. It's uh, we're trying to find that somewhere in the archives. I've got no idea what it's called, but it's, uh, yeah, I'll try and dig it <laughs> out and share it because I thought it was really a really good piece. I remember reading. You read a lot back under that. You know, remember back in the days, so you read so much on Toffee Web and just explore so many different. When I was backpacking, that's when I was saying before, boards. I spent hours upon hours on internet cafes just scrolling <laughs> through all match reports and stuff like that, you know. So, uh, yeah, some, yeah, if you if you dig deep, you probably find it somewhere. It's really good. Uh, yeah, it's all there from however many years <laughs> it is, almost, what is it, 20 <laughs> odd years now of, uh, of archives and stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it there for uh, what was it episode uh, 17 of the Toffee Web podcast uh, I think it will probably let uh, events at Everton dictate uh, when we get back together and, and have another chat um, but until then I hope everyone's uh, summer is going well and we will speak to you very soon take care